class is about downloading Hasidus. What does that mean, downloading Hasidus? Beautiful application of things that are esoteric. So let's take a look at. Um, let's take a look at, like, if, uh, make an observation of what happens to us in life. What happens is there are, in essence, if you think about it, two parallel lines flowing alongside each other. One is what you are taught. So if you're learning Hasidus, there's what you are being taught. You've got to ask yourself the question, is what's being taught being observed? Am I living what I'm learning? Am I able to, you know, practice what I preach? What you'll discover is that often there's two lines flowing one alongside the other one. One is what I learn and the other one is where I am. And here's the key to being a coach and a mashpia yourself. Try this out. This is the key. The key is until the mushpa, the student, doesn't understand that you understand them, everything you say will fall on deaf ears. It will not work. And therefore, what you need to do is you need to gain respect and you need to gain connection, it's accomplished through empathy. It's done all the time in life and it's where changes take place and without it they don't take place. We all find ourselves in a place called Mitzrayim. What? Mitzrayim is limitations and constraints. Mitzrayim is that which blocks us from being ourselves. And our goal is to get out of Mitzrayim. But notice how there is a spell on Mitzrayim. No slave was ever able to escape Mitzrayim. No slave could ever get out. Why? Because, well, the borders were very well controlled. There's much more than that. It's not just the physical borders were well controlled. It was a concept of you're a slave. Once a slave, always a slave. It's very wonderful to tell the story about the slave of old until we realize that the spell is on us. What you want to discover is that you and I are in Mitzrayim. And it's so strange because why are we in Mitzrayim? For a very simple reason, because, because we are under the spell. So let's appreciate and understand what is the spell. Watch. Let's say you're in a conversation and you're feeling um, you're feeling very jealous of a friend who has everything and you don't. So you're jealous and you're feeling a feeling of jealousy. Now the friend starts talking to you about, they say, oh, you're just jealous. What do you say? No, I'm not. Why do you say no, I'm not? Right? That's, that's the natural tendency to say no, I'm not. Why? Because you're not comfortable being jealous. You're supposed to be perfect. You want to be perfect and you're not. Imagine that. You're not perfect, but you, you have this facade of perfection and you have to keep your facade because that's what we're about, right? We're about looking good and looking perfect. How about this one? 
Say you have a friend who you haven't called in two years. Now you call her up and you say, Hey, Bracha. And she says, um, Hi, what's going on? And you start having small talk. You say, Yeah, how are things going? What's happening? What's whatever? What's this? What's that? And she talks to you and talks back. And then you say, um, Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, I really need some help with something. And what does she think to herself? You only call me when you need me. And what are you thinking to yourself? The same thing. I only call her when I need her. That's not a good friend. So how do you walk into that situation? You didn't call her for two years and you want to you get something from her. What do you do? Very simple. Simple technique. What's a technique? boy el pare. He says, come, let's go together, right, to the Pharaoh. Who's the Pharaoh? He's the king of Mitzrayim. He says, let's go together. Look at the king of Mitzrayim, at the root cause of what's blocking you, what's keeping you locked up, and go straight, in, straight into it. So, try the call again. Hey, Bracha, hope all is well. How you doing? What's happening? Yeah. You know, I don't know what to say, but I really feel like bad, like, I, it's almost like I only call you when I need you. And I really feel terrible about it. Because I really, you know, I, like you're a good friend of mine. And I just like I didn't actually make the call. And now I need you and that gives me the call. So, you know, what should I do? I need you. What just happened? You see how you just put a little needle in the hot air balloon and it's all good. She's like, oh, okay. Or when the other friend says you're just jealous and you say, gee, yeah, <laughs> tell the truth, I'm pretty jealous. That sounds worse. Yeah. Huh? That sounds worse. Sometimes, if you don't want to admit it, I'll give you another technique. You don't even need to say I'm jealous. All you need to do is just feel it. And don't, don't run away and flee the feeling. If someone says you're just jealous, you're like, I'm not jealous. And you, in yourself, you don't want to admit that you're jealous. Let's say you're not comfortable saying, yes, I am. If you would say, yes, I am, you know what would happen? Nothing. We're like, oh, you're pretty honest. Yeah. But... Let's say you don't want to admit it. What do you do? You sit down and you just feel the jealousy. Say, yeah, I do feel jealous. As soon as you felt it, the energy in the room will shift immediately. Everything in the room is all about an energy. That energy keeps you locked up in Mitzrayim. Right? Let's say I walk into a classroom. You might have this happen to you. And let's say I'm scared to teach. So what should I do? Let's say I'm scared, I'm petrified. What am I going to do? One of two. Either I should walk in and say, wow, this is really a scary experience. Like I prepared, but I'm really scared to teach. If you don't want to do that, just walk in and take a moment and feel scared. And then 
Now you can start applying all the wonderful Hasidic principles that you have learned. Because here's what it says in the Gemara in Ksubis. What? What's wrong if a class feels that I'm scared? What is possibly wrong with that? I'm nervous. What? They are two. Po- yeah, don't tell little kids. I'm not confident. They don't know what you're talking about. But here's what you would do, right? Look, look, look. Walk into the setting. There's two parts to that. We're missing part two, right? Let's say you are. You're nervous in front of the class. You're nervous in the teaching, right? What you do is admit the nervousness, and then comes the important part, which is Hashem. I accept the nervousness and you're still with me. That part's the key. That part makes you strong. I'm walking right into the lion's den. That's what Hashem tells Moshe. Boy el paroi. Not leich el paroi. Boy el paroi. Come with me to paroi. Admit your paroi. Admit the exact issue. And then accept that Hashem is right there in that with you. It's okay to be nervous and Hashem is still with me. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to have any one of these issues. And Hashem is right here with me. See, what, what keeps us in Mitzrayim is a perspective. And it's fascinating because this is what makes us slaves. Right? What keeps us slaves, enslaved in Mitzrayim? Here's what happened. Let's go through, right, what's happening in our parasha. So Yosef, as we discussed, has a very difficult, challenging life. But objectively, it's not really challenging. What's the problem? If you look at his life, objectively, right? Take away feelings. What happened? He was with his father. He was sold. Then he became a slave. He was there for a year. Then he went to the dungeon. He was there for 12 years. Then he became king of Mitzrayim. You see how I said it? It was very simple. But imagine you going through that. Right? What's the issue? It's, there's what happens objectively, and then there's how I feel about what happens objectively. Can you see the difference? Your feeling is what keeps you locked up. In other words, in Yosef's case, imagine he was thinking to himself, yesterday I was like top of the world with my father, and now look at me. So he would start feeling depressed. Then he would never get to where he got to. The only reason he got there was because for 13 years, he basically held himself in a very strong position. He's like, you know what? Hashem is with me, Hashem is with me, Hashem is with me all the time. So, I'm feeling very stressed out. (sighs) Then what does he say? He tells us in our parasha what his line of success was. He tells his brothers, he says, don't worry guys. It wasn't you who sent me here, it was God. That is the key. And you want to do that, that, that Yosef line, you want to pull it off every moment of your day. Every time you feel a Mitzrayim, you tell your Mitzrayim, See, life happens in mostly like dumb little things. Not big problems. It's like, 
you know, you go somewhere and like, you, you go to the oil and whatever, and then you see over there and you realize a friend came and then you're like, oh, you didn't take me with you. And then you feel hurt and you're slighted. And the other person doesn't even know what you're talking about. They didn't, they didn't think about you, I don't know, whatever. And you're all slighted and upset. Why didn't they think about me? And why don't you care? And nobody cares about me and nobody's interested in me, etc., etc. And you see a person and they go into their own little minds and hearts. It's unbelievable. People live in this little, like, like a, it's like tunnels and caves that we live in inside our own selves. And we're locked up inside them. We can't get out. And what we want to do is be able to escape. The escape lies in being able to address the problem head on and say, You didn't send me here, it was Hashem. So what you want to do is say, okay, let's go through Apsukim. Pasuk number one. What does that mean? The Torah is an instruction to us. Hasidus is out to help me in my life when I can only bring out my inner Moshe. Out to help me. And I'm learning that Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. That's Pasuk 2. Hashem is one. Everything that happens is what happens and there's what God is making happen. So now let's apply that in real life. That's Pasuk 3. You're in Mitzrayim. Get out of your Mitzrayim. Identify your Mitzrayim. Until you don't identify your Mitzrayim and what you're up against, what you're going to do is thrash about like a slave who can never get out. Because if someone says, oh, you're just jealous, and you refuse to accept that you're just jealous, what you're doing is allowing that jealousy to be the elephant in the room, and you're not able to escape the elephant in the room. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Yes, you are. Oh, I am. Oh, you're jealous, right? So now you feel bad about it. What you want to do is, okay, I have a Nisha Bahamas. What's my Nisha Bahamas? My animal soul. The animal soul, you're supposed, let's get that straight. You're supposed to have an animal soul. You're supposed to feel stressed and anxious. Why? Well, because the way Hashem made us, Tanya 101, is that we have two souls, a godly soul and an animal soul. What does a godly soul do? Godly soul is Hashem, and Hashem, and always one with Hashem. The animal soul feels stressed out. And they're riding in parallel lines. They're going together. He says, Hashem Hashem Echad. He says, I'm stressed. They never meet. All the problems happen in that space between the two. What if you'd say to yourself, okay, pause. What's my nefshabamis? Admit the truth. What are you feeling? I'm hurt. You ever see couples fight? I'm sure no one's ever seen parents fight. But, it, you know, sometimes couples have a fight. When they have a fight, one day, learn the trick. Some people just don't know it. They can fight for decades, literally. Couples can fight for decades because they don't know how to get out of this little point, which is, if you're hurt, right, you could just say, when, when, let's say you feel belittled by your spouse. So you say, that hurt. Even if you don't want to say it, because you don't feel the right mode to say it, or you're not ready to say it, just feel it. And what you do is, you'll see the energy will change right away. When a person hits you, oh, you're just feeling that. And then you run away, no, 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 no. And you're running away, you're in the Mitzrayim forever, and you can't get out of it. If you just admit, okay, this is the problem, boil pare. What's the pare? Uh, pare is the king, the king of Mitzrayim. What's that now? What's blocking me now is I'm feeling very hurt. I'm feeling humiliated. I'm feeling stressed. 
I'm feeling hopeless. It's always a feeling. Always a feeling. Identify the Nefesh Abahamis feeling, the animalistic feeling, and then put the Nefesh Alikis on top of him and say, Hashem is here. That's what Yosef does. Okay, I'm stressed out, I'm depressed. Good. Feeling, feeling this, feeling that. Okay. Everything that happens, happens from Hashem. How do I know that? I learned my Hasidus. I know that Hashem creates the world every single second. This is what we daven every day. Let's, Hashem, help me understand and see the depth behind what's going on. Now, there is a pasuk which we say every single day in davening. Every single day you say it. What's the pasuk? Right? Right? We base a body into the sun. Familiar? What does that mean? Hashem, right? Hashem So usually we think it means something of old, right? Which means you're saying basically, Hashem once upon a time took us out of Mitzrayim. Me base a body Yeah? What it really means is something that's happening actually right now. So what it means is Hashem, not of old, Hashem, you constantly take me out of Mitzrayim. How? Two parts. You take me out of your Mitzrayim. How? When I see this as a separate entity, that Hashem is Elekeinu. That is how you get out of Mitzrayim. Like you say, Ani Hashem Elekeichem, Hashem Elokeichem, right? Right? How do you translate these words? Anyone? Give me a translation of these words which you say every day. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. I Hashem your God, right? We took you out of Mitzrayim. We took you out of Mitzrayim. And what does it mean? What does it say? What does it mean? What are you thinking about when you say it? What are you thinking about? What? When the Jews were in Mitzrayim. I am Hashem, your God, took you out of Mitzrayim once upon a time. Let's see how the author ever translates it. A whole different world, because he looks at, he puts like a magic wand on everything. He says, Ani Hashem Elekeichem. Stop. Right? Asher. Stop. What's Asher? That. What else does Asher mean? There's a key possible, a key word in everything you say. What's Ashrei Yishvei Beisecha? What? Lucky. Exactly. So focus on this word. I am Hashem Elikeichem. Okay. Meditate. Wow. That's amazing. I have Hashem in my life. Asher. It's incredible. I am attached to Hashem. That's what Yosef says. I'm not... Nothing happened to me. I'm not anxious... I'm not jealous because you said I'm jealous. I'm feeling jealous because who put me, who made me jealous now? Hashem made me jealous. How do I know that? Because uh, everything happens from Hashem. So who gave you that feeling? Oh, what do you mean? She said something. No, she didn't. That's just what allowed it, the portal that made it happen. That's what it looks like in Shrine. What? You're not supposed to be jealous? That's not true. That is not true. No, it's not true. Because the Malachim wanted to tell you, the angels... What, what? Correct. But if, if the, when, the, when the angels wanted the Torah to be given to them, right? What did, Hashem, what did Moshe tell them? He said, are you guys ever jealous? No. 
so then the Torah can't be given on you. In other words, who does the Torah get given to? What? Exactly, but you've learned some chassidus. You know that when you're feeling jealous, what is jealousy? Jealousy is a horrible feeling. It feels horrible, but it's also just an energy. It's an energy of oilamatoyu. It's a very powerful energy that the animal has. And what you want to do is separate the negative part of it. I want to kill from the energy that gets you moving and pumping. So how do you do that? You don't run away, I'm saying I'm not jealous, because that's like, oh, I'm supposed to be perfect, I'm not perfect. Uh-oh. How is it going to work the world of pain? Which sphere are the world of pain? The world of, which sphere? What you feeling? You're feeling well, an addiction. Jealousy. jealousy is probably a uh, ghura. Ghura? Most likely? Addiction is probably chesed. I think so. It's, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I have to align. Maybe it's Netzach. So it's like the point is, when you feel a negative feeling, you don't need to know how exactly, right? We need to know. It comes somewhere and I'm going to tell you. What you want to do is identify. Okay. You see the problem. If you say you're not supposed to feel jealous, that's what keeps you in Mitzrayim. You never get out of Mitzrayim if you're not supposed to feel jealous. Because I'm not supposed to feel this. I am feeling it, but I'm not supposed to. So I get angry, and then I get more bad feelings. Hashem gave you a feeling which you're interpreting as jealousy. Change the interpretation. Right? When, when, what, did, what would Yosef ask you this? What would Yosef have felt when Sarah Mashkim forgot about her? The butler forgot about him. Imagine Yosef was hoping, he was hoping, right? That Sarah Mashkim would go take him. What would happen? Nothing. He says no. You know what happened? For two years, Yosef was hoping that he'd remember him. <coughs> what happens when he realized it was hopeless? That's when Hashem helped him. Because it wasn't about hopelessness. Like, hopeless? Okay, I feel hopeless. Hashem, you're with me. Hashem, you are controlling everything. The second he was able to get there, suddenly he gets released from prison. That's what happened. And what does Yosef say? All the time I'm being sent by Hashem. So let's say this possible. I am Hashem, your God. Meditate, reflect, get that, understand, download it, and get excited by it, Hashem. And then what happens? is an automatic result. Try to say this possible and see how it will change your life. You see the difference? Not, I am the Lord, your God, took you out of Egypt. That's also true. But I am Hashem, your God. This is real stuff. You are attached to a locus, you're connected to Hashem. You get excited by that, and you will no longer be lost in negative feelings that most humans are lost in. Never. Right? That's the power. So that's what Yosef says. That, um, Hashem sent me. Now go back to this. We're out of Mitzrayim. Why? Because Hashem is our God. We're not in Mitzrayim. But now, look at this powerful thing. How do we get there? So we say like this. Kol bechoreyem horagto ubechorecho Yisroel goalto. Okay? In order to get out of Egypt, what has to happen? You gotta kill the firstborn of the Egyptian. The firstborn of that limitation. Who's the first one? 
What? One second. Everything is Ashkoch practice. Everything is divine providence. Yes, isn't that an amazing realization? Yes, if you have a feeling of jealousy inside you, that too is Ashkoch practice. If a leaf which falls down, right? A leaf that falls down, that's the whole story. A leaf falls down and, and what is he shocking? That is Ashkoch practice. If a feeling falls down into you, you're the ultimate of creation. The Khir Hanivroim, man. If something happens to you, if a leaf falls into you, which happens to be a feeling, it's from Hashem, of course. Yes, where's that thought come from? Yes. Hashem dropped the feeling. Hashem dropped the feeling into you. It comes about through things that happen. Every feeling that happens. There's two parts to everything that happens. Here's what happens. There's two parts to whatever happens. Good point. Let's segue into this, right? Whatever happens to you happens in, in, in there's two parts. Part one is the objective, what happened. Part two is the subjective, the feeling of how you relate to what happened. Isn't it true? Everything's like that, yes. Now, isn't it true? Let's go back into Yosef. Isn't it true that why do we get subjective feelings? Why? Because we create, we create an, like a dream, especially if you're American and you were trained with an American dream, which even if you don't know what that is, you just know it's in the air. It says, you can do anything, you can do whatever you want, right? They put on signs like dream in the rain and whatever you want, always. And you get told you can do whatever you want. So I ask you this question. Do you have, does anyone here have a dream of where they want to be in 10 years or in 20 years? Do you picture and do you dream of where you're going to be? Hopefully stuff like having a husband and children or whatever else you want to be. Anyone? Do you dream? Who says yes? Who's no? Zero. Is that really zero? Everyone dreams, it's part of being human. You dream. Isn't it true that all your problems happen because you dream? That is what the problem is. So it's like a, a catch-22. Because how do you not dream? If I don't dream, what am I going to be? Just a blocked person. I can't get anywhere. You've got to dream. But if you have a dream push you forward, they propel you to a next level. But if you don't dream, so if you don't dream, you just don't get anywhere. But when you dream, the dreams are what blocks you the most. Let's go back to our Yosef. What? It's all in the head, 100%. So I think, so, so, so Yosef, he's dreaming. What's his dream? His dream says that, oh my gosh, one day, one day, all the bundles of wheat are bowing down to me, to my bundle. And then the sun, the moon, and the stars are all bowing down to me. Like it or not, his dream is that he's going to be the king. That's his dream. And then what happens? He doesn't become the king. He becomes a slave, which is the total polar opposite of being a, of, of, of being a king. Right? So his dreams are dashed. All his hopes are dashed. Oh, so now what happens to a person? If you, so if you tell the story as would happen to us, right? 
So it'd be like this romantic dream, and then they'd be like, this is what happens. Now he's a slave. So what he's going to be doing is contrasting where I am with where I ought to be in my dream. And in that disparity between what happened, I was just thrown into shackles. I was just enslaved. And I'm supposed to be. That's supposed to be? That's what the Mitzrayim is. Mitzrayim is not what happened. Mitzrayim is what happened versus what you think should have happened in that space. That's what Mitzrayim comes about. What you think should have happened and what did happen and what's upsetting and you're mad and angry and upset. That is where it happens. That's where all your negative feelings come about. What? I ask you in retrospect on the Yosef story. Was it bad? We discussed this last time, right? Was it bad? No, it wasn't bad. Meaning he had to go down to be enslaved to give us all the power of being able to conquer all the slavery and everything. He had to go back and no, do it. So what? Yosef would have said the whole time a simple thing. He lived that motto from beginning to end, as we discussed last time. That's why he survived it. Because why was he in a position that they asked him the dream in the first place? Why did the, the, the butler and the baker talk to him in the first place? The answer is because he was the chief of the dungeon. He was the guy in charge of everything, so they spoke to him. That's how he was able to get, get himself into that position. He had to groom himself for years to get to that point of being ready for that moment. That's because Yosef, every step of his life, said, okay, I'm dreaming of being a king, and I'm not, and I'm a slave. I'm, I'm like the opposite of this. So, okay, this is very humiliating. This feels helpless. This feels hopeless. I'm sure, I'm sure he went through these feelings in his heart for every single day of those 13 miserable years, and every single day he said, okay, Hashem, this is from you. I know, and I'm pushing forward. I was sent by Hashem. Here's how you and I can do the same power. What you do is say this in davening. Kol b'chayreim horagto. Who's the b'chor of Mitzrayim? What's the spell of Mitzrayim that's keeping you locked in to being a slave? What's the answer? The answer is that you believe your dream. Your ego, your ich, yourself, that's what's blocking you. Yeah? Right. One sec, one sec. Just, just stop, stop a second. There's where you are in your head, and there's what Ashgacha Pratis, divine providence, is. Now, what you want to do is allow the Hashgacha Pratis to come into you now so that you're experiencing serenity. Have you ever walked around a serene person? Have you ever been exposed to someone who actually does this? You can sense the energy in a second. Everybody's drawn to, to that person. Like, wow, you're so calm. How do you do that? Do you have any like stresses in your life? I mean, like, what would Yosef be like? He's a, why are you guys sad? What a bright day in the dungeon. Ten years he'd been there, and he wakes up in the morning, and he's like, You can do that also, but if you think it's easy, nope. It's very, very, very hard work. But this will give you everything you 
ever dreamed of will come about. Here's how. Bol kill the dream. That's how. Here's what you do. Write down your dream on a piece of paper. Hashem, I want to get married and I want to have 18 kids. And I want to be on Shlichus in Gibraltar. And I want to feel this and this and this. And I want to have a lot of money, lots going on and whatever. That's the dream, right? After you got the dream. Everyone's got a different dream, by the way. After you got the dream, write it on a piece of paper. And then take that piece of paper, go to the oil and put it in as a bracha and tear it up. And drop it in. You can keep a copy, but you keep it shelved somewhere where you're not going to look at it for a long, long, long time. What happens is, Aviv Shamar Sadavar, Yaakov kept the dream locked up in a drawer. That's what he did. You keep the dream locked up. And then you do this. You say, The Bechor of Mitzrayim is that which keeps your Nefesh is going. Your Nefesh is once. There's something your animal saw once. He wants, why does he want that dream? He wants to feel a feeling of fulfillment, of prestige, of power. Say, Hashem, I feel like you're giving me that. But kill the dream, which is the steps of how to get there. It's not going to happen. But it did happen. It happened in the story. Do you think it happened the way Yosef thought it would happen? Well, no, but it did happen. Correct. The dream will happen, but nothing with what you thought it would happen. That's why you've got to kill the dream. Because when you have a dream, there's a feeling that you want at the end. And there's the steps of how to carry it out. And you kind of like tell Hashem how, how it gets done. Hashem is like, I got you. I got the dream part. How it happens, that's why I'm God and you're not. What you want to do is kill the dream. And then what do you do? Ubechorcha Yisrael go alto. What do you think is the Bechorcha Yisrael? Nefshelikis. What's that? Bitachon in Hashem. That is the trust in Hashem. What you want to do is, we have two forces inside of us. One is the dream that I want to be. That's the left side. And the other one is, trust in Hashem. And they're fighting against each other. Because I trust in Hashem, of course, but I want that. See the parallel lines that never meet? What you want to do is have them meet. Yeah. Yes. In, a sense, in essence, what that means is, you wanna, what do you want to feel when you get that wonderful family and everything? You want to feel fulfillment? Feel fulfillment now. And so Hashem, I feel the fulfillment now and I don't know a clue of how the dream's going to happen. I give it up. And every time you start thinking, oh my gosh, things are going wrong. I'm in a dungeon. You say, okay, I'm in a dungeon. That, that's, that's, that's hopeless. Hashem, you're with me. That stinks. Hashem, you're still with me right here. Keep on doing that every single day. It's the most difficult thing you could ever do in your life, I assure you. And it doesn't go away every single moment of your life. But I assure you, you know what's going to happen? All your dreams will be fulfilled a hundred times more than you could ever have imagined. What you want to do in life basically is go to sleep. Like a little bubble in mommy's arms. Go to sleep. Stop jumping around. I had this experience once. We were driving, we were on uh, Schliches in... in um, well, we were first in a place called Bosnia-Herzegovina. You heard about it? A city called Sarajevo. So it was right after there was a war there, and buildings were literally bombed out. And we were like, you know, Jew hunting. And um, we were going to drive from there to, um, to um, what's it called? To Zagreb, to the capital of Croatia. But instead of driving three hours up northeast, 
there was a war zone, so we had to drive like 12 hours by going southwest and going back uh, from the bottom of Croatia all the way up and driving um, into Serbia, actually, almost, it was uh, to Belgrade. So anyway, we drove back into Croatia and you know, we were trying to run away from the mines. The whole time they told us there might be mines, which the, the, um, the, the war had put out. But there was a road, magnificent road, beautiful. It was this road which was one lane on each side, and, um, and then there was a drop to the ocean. So we drove that road to come into Sarajevo, and now we were driving all the way back to get back. And we were driving, and it was um, right before the nine days, and then the nine days began. Nine days begin, you're not supposed to uh, do anything dangerous, so we didn't. But you're supposed to stop and not drive through the night. But then we had like, so we're like, you know what, let's just go all the way and get to split which is the next city up there, so okay, let's drive, whatever. So we're thinking, yes, no. Then the other rule is when you're driving at night, you're supposed to get out every hour, as everyone knows, and run around the car, so you stay awake. Yeah, we didn't do that one either. And it was the nine days, and it was the first night of the nine days, and it was in Shkodesh Menachem it was 12.30 a.m., and I was sleeping in the passenger seat of a little Mazda 323 that we had. And um, I remember waking up, and it was um, a thunderous moment. It, was, it ha- all happened in such slow motion, it was so calm. There was a, a tape playing, a cassette of the Rebbe speaking, and I don't know what he was saying, but he was talking, and the whole way through there was a, you know, a very loud voice screaming over there. And, and then I woke up and just, um, I'm, I'm waking up and it's experience of like toppling over, and like I feel the cars upside down and somersaulting, and there's windows and glass breaking everywhere and things are shattering. That's something that happened in slow motion. I turned to my, uh, my uh, co-shliach uh, over there, who was Yossel Amar, and I said to him, um, yeah, it, it looks like... It, I remember saying these words. It looks like we're crashing. <laughs> and it was like very slow motion. And he said, yes, I think we are. <laughs> and I don't know, the whole thing must have taken seconds, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like a long time. And I remember waking up, I was like, I don't know where we are but I remember that there was a 100 feet drop to the ocean. So I was like, if we're at the bottom of the ocean, that's very dangerous. We've got to get out of here as soon as possible. So I'm bracing myself for this, and I'm, I wake up upside down, you know, like that. And now what do we do? So I'm trying to open the door. There was no way to open the door. The door was impossible to open. So um, we ended up, we got, his door was able to open. So we crawled out of his thing over there. We were literally sitting there upside down. Um, crawling out, and then I'm like, okay, now we go to thinking the water's going to come in. Baruch Hashem, we were not underwater, which was an absolute miracle. I stand here to tell the tale, because literally, um, you know, like half a mile or mile, whatever, down the road would have been a different story. And uh, yeah, we landed over there. I remember some guy over there on top. I think I think it was a one-lane highway on each side, and I don't know what happened. I was just sleeping, and. Um, this guy is over there standing there talking in some Croatian language and he's, I think he was asking if anyone's alive. But he was a caravan, I guess, was coming across, something like that happened. And he was looking at us with a shining a, a light to see if, it, and he was shocked that we came out. And what's the first thing you do? So I remember that Shimmy Weinbaum had had a, a crash before, a few months before us. And I remember he was on an impasse and he showed us the most glorious pictures. So the first thing I thought of, this is before we had cell phones, is I took out, we had a camera next to us and I took pictures, I had beautiful pictures of that event, really, really, really good pictures of everything that happened there. And um, then we were taken to the police station, and we couldn't, it was a disastrous night, but yeah, but 
It was amazing. Was we got out of it, and both of us, we landed upside down in this car. When they towed away the car, I have all the pictures to show, it was insane. It was literally an absolute miracle that happened. Later on, I found out something fascinating, that in accidents, right, as we once discussed, who, who survives? You survive an accident much better if you're sleeping. Because if you're awake, you're fighting. When someone's awake and an accident happens, they're like trying to block and resist what's going on. If you're sleeping when an accident happens, then you have what happens in slow motion. It's actually quite, it, it's a funny experience. It's actually quite exciting. Like it's, it's so relaxing. That's what I would say it is. That's what it felt like. Now, I'm not saying you always survive, you know, could be it happens pretty bad. But in order to survive, you have to be in that relaxed state. So we landed up, that's why I'm quite sure that because we both came out of the, around, when I wonder what happened, I'm pretty sure that he was also sleeping, the driver. That's what happened. I mean, that's why we both got out. What? And what? I woke up. I woke up to a nightmare. But I think we were both sleeping. But anyway, so this is a true story. Very true. Yes. Um, so here's the moral of the story, right? That in life, in life, what you want to do is be asleep. And it's a funny thing to say, be asleep, but here's what it means. This is the fourth puzzle, which we're going to discuss a little more at length. It's that every single Jew has a chelik la'ilam habo. Every single Jew has dreams. And Hashem says, I will take care of your dreams. Get this point. What keeps you locked up in Mitzrayim is that you believe that you're in control. And you believe that you're going to make it happen. And, this, and that, uh, so when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not happening, it's not happening. Kill the dream. It isn't happening. Give it up. Let it go. The second, the second you let go and you say, okay, Hashem, it's not happening, you know what happens next? It starts to happen. And that's what's amazing. Kill the dream and the ego of the dream. And the, that's your trust in Hashem. That's what a yid does. That's Nefesh Elikis. Redeem that. And what you'll discover is absolute miracles. All your dreams happen. What we're going to discuss next time is who says your dream has to happen. That's a very important point we'll leave for now.